Welcome to the Lifting Lessons at Lunch, hosted by Calvary Baptist Church of Statham, Georgia. My name is Matt Dibler, and I have the great privilege of pastoring Calvary Baptist Church. This podcast can be heard every Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock. And now, here is our speaker for today. Hello, and welcome to today's Lifting Lessons at Lunch. We're so thankful that you've joined us today to look into God's Word and study it together. We are starting something a little bit different today. Um, Each of our speakers each day will begin a 12-week study starting this and next week, and we'll be taking those through 12 weeks on different topics out of the Bible. Um, So I have chosen a topic for us, and we're going to be looking at these things over the next 12 weeks, over the next 12 Fridays, and I hope that you'll stick with me, and I hope that this will be an encouragement to you and also a challenge to your heart, as hopefully every day is with these Lifting Lessons at Lunch. We are going to be studying the church, and we are starting at the end of the Bible. So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 2 today. We're going to look at each of the seven churches that were given a letter in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. We're going to study those churches in just a brief uh, summary for the next seven weeks. And then beyond that, we're going to look at marks that a true church should have a true church of the living God and hopefully the marks that our church as Calvary Baptist Church has hopefully you'll identify these things in your life and in the life of our church so if you will I want you to take the word of God with me and look at Revelation chapter 2 we're going to begin in verse 1 it says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and Repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hated. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So we see this church at Ephesus. It's the first church that the letter is written to here in the book of Revelations. God himself, Christ, is sending these letters to these seven churches. And we're going to study these letters and see what Christ has to say to us. We've all been in different churches in our lives, I'm sure. And you can always identify the personality of the church after not being there very long. Some churches have huge buildings that you know, all the square footage that you could ever want. They have all the property that you could ever want. They have all of the buildings that you could ever want, but that church is dead. You can have a small church with just a little bit of square footage and and just a handful of people, but that church can be on fire for God. They can be doing something for God. They can enjoy serving God. So we're going to look at the personality of these churches. God is the only person that can inspect these churches. He's, He's the inspector, and he knows what is going on in the inner workings of these churches. And we see here that God has given us a little glimpse 
into these seven churches. And I want us to take a look at these a little more together and then look at our church and make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do and that maybe God doesn't have things against us. So as we look at what the inspector has given us here, we need to understand that Christ is the only one that can look on the inside. We, we talk about all the time that man looks on the outward appearance. We can only see skin deep, right? But God looks on the heart. So let's see what God has to say about this church in Ephesus. He starts out with some really good things. We, we know from the past that these churches were influenced by the Apostle Paul. Um, this church was influenced by Timothy at one point and, and even John who wrote the book of Revelation under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Christ reminds us in verse 1 here that he is in charge. It says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand. And we know from earlier in the chapter that those seven stars represent the pastors, the angels of these churches. And he, said, he also says, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. God is not just up on his throne and not paying attention to what's going on in our lives. God is walking in the midst of his churches, just as he describes in Revelation chapter 2, showing that he's walking in the midst of these churches. He can set them up. He can tear them down. They have to do what he's asked them to do. Christ reminds us in verse 1 that he's in charge. We have to remember that the, we are not to worship the pastor. It's so common in our, time, in our time to worship the pastor. We see all these mega churches and we see these mega name pastors and we don't often know the name of the church. I was talking with our young people about this and I said, you know, how many people know who Joel Osteen is? And tons of hands went up. They all know who Joel Osteen is. They've heard his name, whether in good context or bad context. They've heard that name before. But I said, what is the name of his church? And all those hands went back down because we don't often know the work that these men come out of. We only know the men. And there's an issue with that. God's saying, I'm in charge here. We're not to worship the pastor. We're not to worship uh, anyone who is in charge because they're not perfect. They're not the, the God, the, the Christ. They are not um, who they set themselves up to be at times. We have to be so careful about that. And for any of you who are saying, oh, he better not say this in front of the pastor. I know our pastor well enough to know that if I said that in front of him, he would amen me before anybody else. He knows just as well as I do that you cannot worship the pastor. If we look to man in these things, we're going to fall. You can't look to man. And, and in some of these cases, um, as we'll see, God had to remind these churches that he is in charge, that he is the leader of the church, that the, the pastor, the shepherd that has been placed in that position has been placed there by God to be a shepherd for the church and under shepherd underneath God. So let's move on to chapter two. He, he begins to talk about the things that this church has done. I know thy works and thy labor, thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and is born, and has patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hast not fainted. This church was doing a work. They, they loved to serve God. They were laboring. They were getting out there. They were doing the things that they were supposed to do. They, they were loving God. They were laboring. They were uh, forbearing, as Christ say, said here. They were identifying people that maybe were false prophets. They were teaching something that was not according to God's word. And they were marking those people and knowing that they shouldn't be involved in those kind of stuff, those kind of things. But then we come to verse 4. And God says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. God had an argument with these people. He had an alt against these people, this church, because of something that they had or something they, that they did not have. It says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, 
because thou hast left thy first love. When I began dating Sabrina, I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to know everything about her. I wanted to be with her at, at every second of every day if it was possible. If I wasn't with her, I was talking to her on the phone. I was, I was thinking about her. We were chatting through text message or through Facebook or whatever the case may be. We were constantly trying to be together and to talk together and, and to get to know one another because we were in the process of falling in love with each other and would eventually get married and, and begin a family. But in those initial days, man, how on fire we were for each other, wanting to know each other, wanting to get to know each other so we could love each other more. We were that way when we were saved by the grace of God. We were probably on fire. We were ready to go. We were laboring. We were doing all these things for Christ. And some of us still are. We're doing those things for Christ. We feel like we're on fire. We're doing those things. But there's just one problem. We've lost our first love. We've forgotten where we were when Christ saved us. We've forgotten that we were bought with a price and that he is the one that's due all of the glory. We get so busy serving God sometimes. We get so busy doing the things in the church and doing the things of Christ and, and trying to help and, and do whatever we can that we forget about God. That's where this church was. They were doing the right things. They just didn't have the right priorities. They left their first love. God says in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. We have to make sure that we're doing the right things, but we're doing it because we love God, that we're doing it because we know who God is, and we have not left our first love. Oh, the church nowadays has left our first love. We should we should work to fall in love with God again. How do we do that? We have to get back to the basics. In our company, they talk about all the time getting back to blocking and tackling, getting back to those things that are foundational, the things that we are supposed to be doing well. Experts do the small things well. If we're going to be an expert, now we're never going to be perfect. Please don't get me wrong. But if we're ever going to move forward in our service for Christ, if we're ever going to move forward in our knowledge of Christ, if we're ever going to move forward in our love for Christ, we have to get back to the basics. We've been doing a study with the youth over the last few weeks that's called Focus, and we've been focusing on God's Word, and, and this week we've been focusing on prayer and spending time with God. It's so important. If I go out and I witness to 3,000 people this afternoon, but I don't spend any time with God, that's not what God has called us to do. Yeah, we're supposed to spread the gospel. We're supposed to do these things. But we can't forget time to spend time with God. We have to get back to our first love. We have to get back to blocking and tackling. And please excuse the, the crude analogy there, but we have to get back to reading our Bible, to loving our Bible, to meditating on God's word, to knowing God's word. We have to get back to our time, that sweet hour of prayer that we should be spending with God. We have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to stay in love with God. We can say that we love him all day long. I can say I love Sabrina. I can say that I love my children. I can say that I love God. But if I don't spend time with them, if I don't put in the time, if I don't put in the effort, there's no fruit. I have to spend time with my wife for her to know that I love her. 
I have to listen to her. I have to talk to her. I have to allow us to have conversation and and spend meaningful time together. What about God? Are we doing the things that we need to do to spend time with him, to show him that we've not forgotten our first love? Oh, I pray. My prayer for myself today is to fall back in love with Christ, to fall back in love with him every day through his word, through prayer, through serving him. All of these are avenues to show him how much we love him. Do you love him today? I hope that you do. I'm looking forward to next week's study as we move into the next part of this. If you would like to read verses 8 through 11, then you can go ahead and get ready for the church at Smyrna. We'll be studying that church next Friday, Lord willing, and I look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.